They may not have seen it all, but they've experienced. Fourth and 26. Stinks in a trash. AI's crossover. Throwing batteries at J.D. Drew. Brad Lidge hugging Carlos Ruiz. The Legion of Doom. And thousands of wins and losses over three decades of fandom. Talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Here are your hosts, Joe O'Donnell and John Mita. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. It is the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. Joe O'Donnell, John Mita checking in. Back at it. Right here on SoundCloud.com. Johnny Meats, what's shaking, dude? Not much, man. Not much, man. This uh, The uh, city of Philadelphia is pretty shook up with the news that has transpired, which we're definitely going to get into but uh, for the football team. But uh, but the uh, other than that, the Olympics have been really exciting to watch, and uh, I'm sure we're going to cover it all, buddy. You got it, brother. Appreciate all the love and support on SoundCloud.com. Follow us on Twitter at B-Love Podcast. That's at B-Love Podcast. And, um, well, yeah, let's just jump right into it. The Eagles preseason officially underway with a 17-9 win over the Buccaneers a couple of nights back. They'll play the Steelers this week in week two of the preseason. We've got some Eagles topics, including the injury to Carson Wentz and the pending suspension of uh, offensive lineman Lane Johnson. As for the fight in Phils, Ryan Howard is swinging a much better bat. Jim Tomey goes into the Wall of Fame over the weekend. So a couple of Phillies topics for you. And then we will talk about the 31st Olympiad. And uh, a little bit about the dominance of Michael Phelps and Usain Bolt. So with that said, let's jump right in. Philadelphia Eagles' Johnny Mehta. Uh To me, the biggest story, you know, it could be Lane Johnson. It could be the win over the Buccaneers, granted it's preseason, but to me it's Carson Wentz, and it's the injury he suffered, a hairline fracture in his ribs playing against the third-string Tampa Bay Buccaneers playing in front of me, you, and three of our buddies as an offensive line. Um, And I will start with this question, John Mita. Uh, Tongue-in-cheek, was Doug Peterson high on the the sidelines Thursday night in that preseason game? Was he high, do you think? I don't know if he was high, but there, there were definitely... Um, was he sniffing glue? Decisions. Eh, I don't know. I mean, but he might have been, because why the hell else would you put the player you mortgage your entire franchise for, essentially, right? The future of your franchise mortgaged to move up to number two, to draft this kid. You've told Philadelphia and the, and the National Football League, anybody that would listen, that basically you're going to put him in bubble wrap all season. He's not going to play. And then preseason week number one... Doug Peterson gets some hard-on for playing Carson Wentz in the second corner and basically a large chunk of the second half, and he was getting smashed. I mean, I was watching the game on replay, granted, before the injury announcement came out, and I remember thinking at one point, man, it's a really good thing that Carson Wentz is kind of young and like he could take a beating because he took a beating. And sure enough, we find out that after those five or six punishing hits, uh, he didn't handle it that well. His body suffered a hairline fracture in his ribs. And so now he might be out for the balance of the preseason. So 
I just don't understand why you'd play him so long behind that garbage third-string offensive line. If you're Doug Peterson, and that was the plan, as soon as that plan starts to blow up in your face, you make an adjustment. The second time he gets hit hard, the first time he gets hit hard, you make a change. You bring in that duster Bethel Thompson, you let him mop up the football game, and you say, we'll get you back out there next Thursday against the Steelers. It is plain and simple to me. I understand hindsight is twenty twenty, but Doug Peterson, with a major fail in the freaking preseason, his first game as a head coach. Yeah, it, it, it's hard because you want this guy, you want this rookie to get the work and, and you want him to get the experience, but when you put him behind just like you said before, me, you, a couple of our friends, your offensive line on this team has gone from somewhat to be decent to with the pending and a suspension of Wayne Johnson and with Jason Peters being injured, this is going to be a terrible offensive line. And you look at the depth, it's going to be even worse. So I think they need to go back to their original plan and just put this guy in bubble wrap the entire year. Because he will not survive. He, first of all, I don't know what quarterback is going to survive. Sammy Sleeves, I mean, once Lane, if Lane Johnson gets suspended, man, we were talking about it last week, half empty, half full. This glass is empty, bro. Really empty. Yeah. And uh, we're not even starting the season yet. So that's a little disappointing. If, for being a fan. if they wanted to see Carson Wentz so bad and they wanted some tape and they wanted him to gain the experience, and I get all of those things, that's what the preseason yeah. is for a lot of times, then why didn't they just play him with the first team? Why couldn't they just put him, you know, Sam Bradford had three offensive snaps. So rather than go to Chase Daniel, and again, I understand this hindsight is twenty twenty, and I, I sound a lot smarter because of knowing the circumstances that have played out but why not just put him in for a few series with real players, with NFL-caliber starting players? And then you can go to Chase Daniel in the second quarter or late first quarter, and at least Wentz then maybe has two or three series. I mean, give me give me the last time a number 2 overall draft pick of any position played 13 minutes. I can't think of one. No, you make a good point, man. Definitely a blunder on the coaching staff's part. I mean, I just don't get it. I don't get it. What Chase Daniel? I mean, I, yes, I you... think he should have played like a quarter. Yeah, maybe not the half, a quarter. Yeah, like, but at least put it. at least put him in a position to succeed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just and, I, I don't and, get it. I don't know. The flip side is, if you know, we're talking about negative things that went on during that football game. But the flip side is, look at the positive. Well, and let me just break down what I saw from Carson Wentz. Um, I kind of like what I, his toughness. Uh, he was able to move around in the pocket. Uh, he did a great job of understanding. There was one play where a cornerback licked from the side. He picked it up beautifully and hit the hot route immediately. So those are some things that you look at. And you're like, wow, this guy really does have the intelligence and the, you know, what do they call it? IQ, so to speak, to recognize different types of coverages and defenses. So from that standpoint, he made some really good throws. There, there's some things in his mechanics that they've been working on uh, that he seems to sail the ball at times because his base is, is not wide enough. Um, he tends to be a little hoppy, but even though the numbers, I think he was 12 of 24, 89 yards, uh, one interception inside the red zone, Turnovers, obviously, that's something you 
definitely you got to take care of the football in this day and age. But all in all, man, I thought he had a decent performance. The, the one thing I didn't like, he slid on the one play when he scrambled. And then the other play, you know, he went back to his college days where, all right, all I need to do is get that last yard and didn't protect himself. And then he ended up getting helicoptered like John Elway in the Super Bowl. And who knows when he uh, cracked that rip. I think he cracked that rim when he got blindsided by that linebacker. Yeah, on the last hit that he took. Yeah. It was yeah. helmet to sternum. Yeah. Did yeah. you did you see Doug Peterson actually said that he wished that Carson Wentz had hurdled that defender, the one when he got helicoptered? I didn't see that. <laughs> I mean, is this guy kidding me? I will not I will not be able to handle this all season long. Yeah. Because he's so all shucks. And he's so I, I just I'm just not impressed. Hashtag yeah. not impressed. Yeah. So well, it is what it is. He's got time to figure it out. Hopefully he does. Uh but yeah. other than looking exactly like Andy Dalton with a helmet on, I actually thought the ginger had, you know, showed some things. So well said yeah. by you. Yeah. You know, I'm one step um, closer to liking this guy. I, I I don't know, man. I really do in my heart, man. I, you know. Okay, so heart, then. Okay, so let's just take. Let's just for one minute here. On, let's for one minute here on the Brotherly Love podcast. Let's assume sure. that what we okay. saw and what we will see, whether it's preseason. Uh, here's the problem. Now he can't impress you down the line the rest of the preseason to to change the thought process or change the plan. Okay, right. not not in the public persona. Maybe it practices. But let's just right. say for a minute that Carson Wentz played out the rest of this preseason and was playing well. How in the hell did they think they were going to be able to keep him on the sidelines all year? Because if this if this season goes off the rails, and there is a damn good chance it could, if it becomes mm-hmm. my favorite term, a grease fire, how are yeah. how are the Philadelphia Eagles not going to play Carson Wentz come late November and into December when the fan base and the city is literally burning Novacare complex down on the ground, clamoring for Wentz. Yeah. Or do you just not play him because it's a a 4-10 uh, team and you're like, well, what's the point now? Yeah, people With two weeks they, left or whatever. I just don't understand how if things, if things don't go as planned, if Bradford is hurt, if Bradford doesn't yeah. play well, if the team can't block, if they just stink – which could happen. Again, this could be a 7 and 9 team, this could be a 4 and 12 team. This might be a 10 and 6 team. We don't know. But if they yeah. are not playing good football, how in the hell do they expect to be able to just keep him on the sidelines? It's, it's very short-sighted. It's a very short-sighted plan, even though it's for the long term. So it's, there's some irony there to me. Yeah, and we saw what you know, a guy that I thought could be serviceable, Chase Daniel, just looked absolutely atrocious. Yeah, he stinks. <laughs> he, he does not look good at all. So, which everybody, the whole crowd's going to be clamoring and just knocking down the door to bring Winston. And so my question to you, Joe, is can you bring this guy in knowing the circumstances, knowing how bad all of our receiving quarters, knowing how bad – our offensive line might be with suspensions pending and everything else, as well as the depth on the offensive line. I mean, can you physically, um, let's just say, mortgage your your future, your upcoming future, when your skill players are so not talented <laughs> and 
your offensive line needs some vast improvement. That's a great question. And that's I mean, which that's yeah. that's what they've got to figure out. That's why they get paid the big bucks. You know, that's yeah. Yeah. if anything, that is their spin. But they're not going to come out and say we're not good enough. They're going to have to spin yeah. it with this is the plan. This is the plan. Maybe the real plan is inside those walls. We ain't that good, and we don't want this yeah. kid to get killed. I don't know because if that was the plan, they didn't implement it preseason game number one. So I don't know. I. I to me, they're confused, and that's a scary yeah. thing in the National Football League when your front office can't figure it out. Uh, let's jump to Lane Johnson, who is expected yeah. to receive a 10-game suspension for a second PED violation. Now, you called me last week. You broke the news yeah. to me. I, yeah. I, I was almost like you said somebody died. That's how bad I felt inside because I'm like, this stinks. I mean, yeah. the line was questionable. It needs to stay healthy and intact and get some momentum. It gets zero momentum now, and it is way worse than it was a week ago because Lane Johnson, by all accounts, is the best lineman the Philadelphia Eagles have. No offense, Jason Kelsey. No offense, Jason Peters. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, very disappointing that a guy uh, put himself in this position and just to give the listeners a background, if they didn't know, I mean, I know a lot of our listeners follow this football team tooth and nail just like we do, but Lane Johnson a couple of years ago was suspended for four games because he used Adderall, which was considered a PD at the time. That is now off the ban list. However, he used another, apparently with some type of amino acid to carry this ingredient, some type of peptide, which is on the ban list. Now, his reasoning was that he checked it out through an application. Let me repeat that one more time. Through an application on his phone, okay? He didn't call somebody. He didn't hire somebody with the money that this guy makes. If there's anything in question, knowing, knowing, and then now that's come out later, it is the fact that with his contract, if this suspension holds up, this guy has mortgaged his five-year, sixty-two million-dollar deal just to, just to have a little boost in recovery time. With this, I mean, it's in, and it's kind of frightening too, Joe. When you think about it, does this guy need the extra things to make him the type of player that we've seen him be? And it's just so disappointing that he put his football team in this position. He's not owning any any of the blame. He just came out and criticized the players' union. Yeah, which was ballsy. Saying that they don't, yeah, saying that they don't stick up for their players. Well, the bottom line is this. You get suspended once with this new policy. Now you're on thin ice. You get suspended twice. Three strikes. You're looking at a two-year suspension. Your career is, is could be could be over. And knowing that he already got suspended once, why would you even risk it if anything was in question? The fact that you had to go to an application on your phone and look up to see if it was on that list just makes you, you've got to do the extra homework. I don't understand these players, man. I don't get it. You know, with the PEDs, with, you know, the smoking of marijuana. I mean, look at a guy like Le'Veon Bell for the Steelers. The guy says that he couldn't make the drug test because he was charging his phone better. Like, how can you – it's just unfathomable 
that you can just throw that much money out the window for making such a stupid decision. And this decision, if he if it turns out that he is suspended for ten games, this hurts the entire season. Yeah, the entire season. And as much as I kind of touted or giving praise to Howie Roseman for you know getting rid of some of the mistakes, you know, building this football team. Again, we look at our offensive line, and we look at our depth, and we have the Dennis Kels or the uh, Dennis Kellys of the world. We have your Ryan to- or Matt Tobin, and we have man, these guys are marginal at best. So our draft, we salvaged so many draft picks now that we moved up to get one. Like, how are we going to build this football team, especially on the defense and offensive lines, which is imperative to build a winning football team? Did you think it was so? So he used the app and the supplement checked out, right? But he fails the drug test. So, are you buying? I, I understand you're disappointed, Lane Johnson, his decision making. Yeah. Do you believe him? Do you believe that he is not at fault here, or are you 100 percent? You know, oh. like you said, you got to double and triple check. Well, you definitely have to double and triple check. My my thing is this. Okay, so if it turns out, my question is, you know, it came out. It was like, okay, who from the NFL, right? The, the major question was, uh, what was it? His good friend that he trains with, guy that covers Jay Glazer. Fox, Jay Glazer, yeah. right? Comes out and says that just spoke to Lane. He said that the substance was, uh, you know, expected, or the NFL said it was okay to you. Yeah, I think right. The supplement was approved. There was something in there, according to Lane Johnson, that wasn't on the label. Right. And if that's the case, then obviously, you know, it's a difficult spot for Lane Johnson. Now, however, to to me, the supplement company is in it for one thing: results. When athletes get results, that's why they take the supplement. The supplement company doesn't care. If you get banned, the supplement company doesn't care if they're lying to you. You know how much corporate America, how many companies are lying to you? Uh, Countless, way more than we know, but they're printing money. And the supplement company supplements uh, that, that scope of things in the business spectrum are doing the exact same stuff that everybody else is doing, making money. And so for Lane Johnson, he did the one check, he used the app. Boom, he got the green check. I'm going to start taking supplement XYZ. Well, where's the accountability for that part of our economy, that part of our society? So take Lane Johnson face value. Say he's 100% innocent, even though that can't be true because they're about to suspend him. But say that he did everything he could have done, he took it, and he still failed the drug test, and he failed it because a supplement company lied. Then what? You know, there's no... Nobody's holding them accountable. Lane Johnson is still suspended, and the Eagles season is in turmoil before it ever begins. I, I, right. Something about that bothers me. Yeah. Well, I mean, my whole thing is this, and I think the NFL should take this into great consideration. If it turns out that the ingredient wasn't on the label or wasn't say to contain that, then I think the NFL should maybe reduce the suspension. So instead of him getting 10 games, even though he is a second-time violator, maybe give him another four games 
And then with the third strike, he's out for the entire two years. Yeah, and and that's um, a good point. It turns out if they had that ingredient. Now, if I'm Lane Johnson, because my whole entire contract hedges on this very thing, if he got caught again, all his guaranteed money, we're talking over $36 million, is voidable. If I'm him, I'm suing the supplement company yeah. for costing me that much money. Yeah. And who knows? I mean, that's certainly a possibility. Well, and you bring up a great point, and, and you mentioned the Adderall now not being a banned substance, even though his right. first suspension it was. So you would right. think that the league would look at this from a logical standpoint and say, here's a guy that we you know, suspended once, and now that's kind of not even suspendable anymore. And the second time around, he might have literally gotten, you know, legitimately been screwed by a supplement company, a supplement that we approve through the app. So a failed drug test is a failed drug test, but if it was a legal supplement by league standards, you know, there's, it just seems there's some gray area there. Either somebody's not telling the truth or something's going to come out in the next couple of weeks when this B sample comes in, the second sample he took, um, and that he's praying to God comes back clean or otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, and just the way how, you know, the news broke and how he just adamantly denied it. And then I read a report today, apparently the team, he said the team knew about this week ago. Yes. And then nobody told Doug Peterson. So what is it? Nobody told Doug Peterson? Like, it's the front office? Not well, Doug Peterson on Thursday night at the, at the preseason game at the link was quoted as saying that he hadn't talked to Lane Johnson about it yet. What the hell is he waiting for? I don't understand, man. I'm telling you, it's stuff like this. It's stuff like this. Like, Chip Kelly was a you-know-what when it came to dealing with the media, but he had one-liners, okay? Doug Peterson appears to have zero one-liners other than stupid sentences that come out of his mouth. Yeah. Okay? If you didn't talk to Lane Johnson, you don't tell everybody you didn't talk to Lane Johnson. I know. And maybe that was because Doug, and this is kind of one of his faults, but you know, as fans, you know, we want to hear the truth, whatever it is. But maybe they didn't tell him because they knew that he couldn't hide. Or not hide, but he couldn't dance around what the actual story was. And maybe that was it. Yeah. So Sounds to me like the, the head coach needs to get his act together because he's a head coach now, not a coordinator. That's what it sounds like to me. Unprepared. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, well, 17-9 uh, preseason win. The wide receivers, including Nelson Aguilar, stink. The offensive line stinks. Defense looked pretty good, so we got that going for us. And uh, that's about all I got to say about that. Exactly. Let's take a timeout. When we return on the Brotherly Love podcast on SoundCloud.com, we'll talk fighting fills and then jump into the Olympics back after this on SoundCloud.com. You're listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast, exclusively on SoundCloud.com. Getting gangster here on the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. With the one and only John Mita, I am Joe O'Donnell. Check us out on Twitter at Love Podcast at Love Podcast. Fighting Phils, Johnny Meats have won four in a row, fifty six and sixty three on the year. But that's not the big story. Nope, 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 nope. It is that the big piece, Big Brown, 
R Ho, R Six, whatever you call him, Ryan Howard has regained Ryan Howard type form circa many, many moons ago. Now, he's still hitting under 200 for the season. I'm a big numbers guy. I'd like to see him just get back up to the Mendoza line before his season or career with the Phillies comes to an end. He's hitting 381 with 12 RBIs over the last 15 games. He's at a 284 clip, John Mead, over his last 30 games. Again, Ryan Howard typically heats up this time of year. I don't know what it is. It's the water, the sun, the temperature at the ballpark. He always, 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 even in his most dismal years, has hit well in July and August. And here he comes again, starting to play better baseball. So if you're the Phillies, I saw Marcus Hayes had a column, didn't delve into it, but saw that uh, the headline said that they should basically do him a solid and release him. If you're the Phillies and you cannot find a suitable trade partner after he would potentially clear waivers and be dealt, because that's the only option right now, put him on waivers, he clears, you can trade him. If he's on a playoff roster, uh, on another team's roster by September 1st, he's postseason eligible. Pending they can't do that, pending they can't find a trade partner, should the Phillies release Ryan Howard? Wow, that's a, that's a fantastic question, Joe. Um, it's something that I've talked about with a bunch of my friends, and we kind of got into it a little bit. And you know what? I just like that. To be honest, with you, I, I would just like to see the guy finish out the year here. Um, he's been such a great player for this organization, and granted, people are going to kill him over the contract that he signed many years ago—that 125 million dollar deal. And when he hurt his Achilles against St. Louis in the playoffs, I really think that's when his he just started to take a turn for the worst. He just never was the same player. But it's nice to see that he's hitting again. And the other night, watching him hit a grand slam and watching Jim Tomey's reaction, that was just just great. Great to see Jim Tomey kind of got out, got out of the way so that this guy could be, you know, the future part of the organization, the, the new part, you know, the new first baseman. then. To answer your question, man, I like to see him say, unless he says, I want absolutely out, I can't take it anymore, can you please release me? Similar to what, I guess, what, you know, the Yankees did with, with Alex Rodriguez and yeah, Mark Deshera retiring immediately. Um, I just, I would, I don't know. I, I like to keep him like the same finish out the year. You know, you pay him his just due, the remaining of his contract, and uh, let him ride off into the sunset, making that. And who knows? He, he, he says that he wants to play. Yeah, I don't. Year. I don't Maybe. think he's going to walk away from the game. No, I don't either. So, but, so why I, not? Why not? You know, look. I get releasing him so he could possibly be on a playoff contender this season is a courteous thing to do, but the Phillies front office is in the business of winning baseball games. And if Ryan Howard can get you something this winter, no matter how small that that trade package might be, no matter how much of his contract you might have to eat, yeah. I, I think that that's the move. I mean, I get it. But there could be postseason baseball for Ryan Howard next year in a different market. You don't have to give him that opportunity this September. So if you can't trade him and get a case of baseballs or a couple draft picks or a minor league pitcher yeah. that might never be playing the big leagues... Um, and releasing him is the best option this summer uh, as the season winds down. I think I'm with you. You you tell him to finish the year. I mean, you're paying him. He's making a hell of a lot yeah. of money. And then this yeah. winter, you try and find a trade partner. It's that simple to me because the assets that this organization could get, no matter how small for a Ryan Howard deal, 
could pay dividends down the line. And and they're in the business, the Phillies are in the business of trying to make this a more competitive baseball team moving forward. Exactly. And Tommy Joseph's still getting time. It's not like a couple years ago where Darren Ruff, everybody wanted to see Darren Ruff, get Darren Ruff more at-bats, get Darren Ruff. No. Tommy yeah. Joseph's getting plenty of at-bats. And Ryan Howard right now is making the most of his spot duty. Uh, you mentioned yeah. Jim Tomey, my friend, and it was great to yeah. see him. I watched some of the tribute to him uh, right before we, we came on air here tonight on SoundCloud.com. And, you know, I to me, a lot has been said. Charlie Manuel and, and others have talked about kind of when Tommy signed, it was baseball back on the map in Philadelphia. And there is really no better way to put it. I mean, he it's crazy yeah. to think just how short his Phillies career was when you look at the bigger picture, but he meant so much to a rebuilding franchise at the perfect time with the vet closing and the new ballpark opening, uh, the class he showed, the power he brought to the dish, uh, the leadership he provided for some of the young players. I mean, you know, hell, Charlie Manuel's right. That guy should have gotten a 2008 World Series ring. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, you bring up a great point, and just the bridge, uh, the Philadelphia Phillies suffered so many years. I mean, we suffered. This team would just keep losing and losing and losing. And when they signed him as a free agent, you just felt like the momentum has changed. You felt like positive. You're like, wow, we went out and we got like a real major league player. Like, we got somebody, we just signed somebody in free agency that committed a good amount of money to him. And that was also lacking. Whereas the teams like the Yankees and the Red Sox and their bank accounts were just like, you know, Fort Knox. They could spend as much money as they wanted. That's a great point. They opened up the bank for him. They opened up the bank for him. And he transitioned. And you got to love the way he came in. You know, when we signed him and meeting all the, the steel workers and the electricians and how much love he felt that day when he came to the city. And you got to love the peacefully way he went out, knowing that there was a budding superstar in the minor league by Ryan Howard coming up to become the future, which led to them, you know, eventually sealing the deal and getting that world championship. So he's just a world-class guy. And looking forward to seeing him make the Hall of Fame. I can't believe he only played a couple of years here. It, 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 it's, it's mind-boggling. I just looked up just to see what teams he played on through the course of his career. It felt like he was longer here than he was, but it was just, he's just a class guy. Um, he did a lot. And on the tribute night, for them to get a win, for Ryan Howard to get a grand slam and kind of, you know, give him the admiration, it was, uh, it was a great deal. Great point on the way he handled the Ryan Howard situation and the passing of the torch, especially yeah. considering the past NFL draft when Carson Wentz was selected and Sam Bradford threw a hissy fit. Exactly. You know, exactly. It's embarrassing now that I'm, you know, I know the yeah. al- analogy is not perfect, but, um, and it's a decade ago essentially with the Tommy and Howard situation. But, uh, yeah. great point by you because he did handle it well. There was no, there was no, uh, ill feelings there was no you sign me i want to stay they they traded him and that was the end of it yeah yeah and and you just yeah you just gotta love that could you imagine in the national league if they had a designated hitter i know tommy said that too 
oh, he said that. I mean, whew, that would have been outrageous. So, I just looked it yeah. up because I wasn't sure who was in that deal. November 25th, 2005, Phillies trade Jim Tomey and Cash to the White Sox for Aaron Rowan. Yeah. There you go. And that actually was a great trade for both sides, especially for the no Phillies doubt. because Rowan was a center fielder that endeared himself to the fans for a number of reasons, including smashing his face in the wall out at Citizens yeah. Bank Park. All right, my friend, final topic, the Olympics. They were just up and running, off and running, when you and I met in person for our last podcast in lovely Stone Harbor, New Jersey. Now there's about a week left. The best sport so far, this is my on the fly for you, John Mita. The best sport so far that you've watched is what? I don't know. The, the swimming's been so intense, man. It's just been... I don't think there's one event that I'm like, wow, that was just... But the swimming has had me dialed in. The history that Michael Phelps has made, I would say, in all, all the swimming events, I mean, the Americans have cleaned up in swimming. Yeah. So I would How about Katie Ledecky? She's outrageous. <laughs> I mean, she's like lapping. She's like lapping fools. Yeah, that's you're talking about the best competitors in the entire yeah. world. You're ta- you're talking about yeah. you're talking about a sport or a competition or in general the entire Olympics, where one one hundredth of a second a lot of time or one tenth of a second, you know, is the difference. Anything more than that is considered a big victory, and and sometimes a field of eight eight athletes are separated by three seconds, eight eight athletes, or two seconds, or six seconds. And Katie Ledecky is, like, just lapping the field. It's unbelievable. Yeah, she was, it was pure dominance. I mean, she was just, it's amazing how somebody could be that. What she did the other night. I mean, I'm with it. Phelps or Bolt, Elite. more impressive yeah. Olympic athlete. You know, they're having this discussion on uh, channels today, man. And I was thinking about it. I'm like, wow, that is a great. And then you, to yourself, like, what is harder? Is it easier to be a better swimmer? Or is it harder to be the fastest person in the world? I, you know, I don't even, I don't even look at it that way. I look at it as this is, it's not even close. And I I, obviously am biased being American. But what Michael Phelps has done with 28 total medals, he's just in more events than Usain Bolt. I mean, that's that's the end of it. It's it's unfortunately for Bolt, uh, in comparison to Phelps, there's more quantity for Phelps, and he doesn't lose. So, you know, Bolt, the fastest man in the world, three straight Olympics, never been done before. Unbelievable feat, probably never be done again. I, I think that's fair to say. He's won the 200. He's going for that triple, triple, triple. Three straight Olympics with gold in basically every major sprinting event. And if he does it, again, unfathomable feat. Uh, probably never be matched again. But Michael Phelps is in more events and has racked up like more medals in a lot of countries. I mean, think about that yeah. for a minute. Like, I think they said Phelps would be like the 10th best country if he was his own country as far as medal count all time in the Olympics. Yeah, that's scary. And I think that, that puts it to bed right there, man. Yeah. I agree with you. Bolt has I mean, 18 for the know. record, for the record. Phelps with uh, yeah. 23 golds now, 28 total medals. He says his career is over. Bolt has 18 medals since 2008, but that's Olympics and World Championships. So that right. puts it a little bit of perspective, too. Not taking anything away okay. from Usain Bolt. 
But what Michael Phelps has done over several Olympics and several events is so damn impressive. Exactly. For me, best sport has been volleyball, dude. I, I'm digging the beach volleyball. I'm digging the team uh, volleyball. Yeah, I'm I am volleyballed up, man. Yeah. I'm volleyballed up. Yeah, that uh, was a great sport to watch, no doubt. And the beach volleyball, it's just amazing to me. Those guys can just cover so much ground. Yeah. Only two of them. Not that the court's enormous, because it's not. No, but, but it seems it, is a, it seems like it it's is. a lot about their positioning before because those, those yeah. spikes are coming so hard, you can't move a stride or two in the sand. You literally have to guess and obviously have yep. done your homework on where that ball is going to go, and then it's just reflexes. But I'm with you. No it's uh, very, very impressive physically. Yeah. Uh, the amount of times those guys get up and down in the sand over the course of matches that are sometimes taking 15, 20 minutes to play out. Yeah. Any yeah, final thoughts, nice brother? Yeah, it's nice to see, man. The dominance in the medal count, man. USA is just taking everybody by storm. I mean, there's nobody in hailing distance. Yeah, their medal count is right now. And so. team Team USA ah. soccer's disappointment. Hope Solo's comments in 30 oh, seconds. Solo, your thoughts? Mike, just grow up. Just retire from the Olympics. She's such a disgrace. Not only is an American, as a human being, she's been caught up in like domestic violence, and she's just she's tragic. Get rid of her. Get her out. Amen. Booter. She is Booter. she is good to look at and she is damn good in net though. Let's be honest. <laughs> you know how hey if T.O. could have an NFL career being a distraction and a pain in the ass, hope solo. You know? Hey, sometimes you gotta take you gotta take that with uh, with the talent. Alright. All right, brother. Season game, the Pittsburgh Steelers, but uh, even though it's preseason, I'd still like to see a whooping. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, can't stand the Steelers with you. Lots of Chase Daniel on Thursday. Yeah. It'll be a John. It'll be a John Mita made for TV special. That's pretty good. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com for John Mita, Joe O'Donnell. Appreciate all the love and support. Go Birds! Till next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com.